It's sometimes said that seeing is believing, but in the digital age, how can you be sure that the photo, video, or audio being shared on social media hasn't somehow been altered or manipulated? In today's edition of Intersections, the RIT podcast, associate photography professor Christy Sision and motion picture science undergraduate student Owen Thompson discuss media forensics and its role in protecting us all from fake news. How do you define media forensics? I guess I would define media forensics as the process of determining whether or not any sort of media has been manipulated, whether it's images or video or audio, breaking that down to determine not only if it's been manipulated, but how it's been manipulated. Well, whenever I hear forensics, I think of like crime TV. So I think about the media vessel as a crime scene in and of itself. And you're just looking through just for tiny little hints that might give you some indication of what's going on here, actually. Sort of under the hood, right? Yeah. You know, to figure out under the hood what's what evidence is there of the trail. How did you first get involved with this project? We were first approached by the government to be involved, and really RIT's role is to create the ground truth or the the ability to have this set of test manipulation so that we can make the algorithms of detection that much better. And so our job is to create the the images, the media, the video, to be able to make those manipulations and then turn around and, and manipulate those raw materials as if we were the bad guys, as if we were the ones sort of trying to deceive or trying to, to make those images in that media counter to their original sort of truth. And so in that process, we work very closely with these other universities to determine whether or not the things that we're producing are being successfully detected or not. And then we take that information and sort of are constantly working that back into what we are doing to ensure that those algorithms of detection are sort of finding all those clues, are finding all those traces that we might be leaving, those that trail of breadcrumbs of clues that we are leaving to help sort of determine not only that these images were manipulated, but how really RIT's unique in this project in that we are well, we're, we're pretending to be the bad guys. We are, you know, creating those manipulations as if we were trying to put one past the algorithms of detection. Why would you say this project is important? Well, I think the project is really important because of the nature of any sort of digital media is that it's pretty malleable, certainly, as compared to, you know, sort of analog processes. And the ease at which we can manipulate things uh, just sort of in the public realm. We can do it with an app. We can do it with, you know, free tools, and it can be pretty undetectable. So I think that, you know, sort of in the, the sort of media consumption sphere, it's pretty important to know what is truth, for lack of a better term. Fake news. Fake news, yeah. And then and then there's there's the idea of being able to put your faith in the things that you see, the images that you see, the videos that you see. So that has larger sort of societal implications as to 
you know, what does happen if we can't put our faith in footage and news footage, in audio recordings and interviews, how the, the repercussions of that kind of um, distrust can sort of pervade society. So this certainly has been coming up more and more, you know, in the last, in the last few years, certainly. Uh, so the timing of this project is, is ideal, I guess, given the, given the current culture and the current status of what we hear all the time with fake news and with whether or not images have been manipulated. As far as I can tell, there's a lot of catching up to do at this point with the capabilities of things like like deep fakes or stuff like that. They seem pretty alarming and it only seems like it's accelerating. I mean, even if we are pretty far, far behind, it doesn't mean you should give up, obviously, but I think it's possible to, you know, catch up. Yeah. Even over the course of this project, we've seen the acceleration, you know, when we started, the fakes didn't really exist, at least in the public public sphere. And now we've seen it go from, you know, sort of sitting in that uncanny valley of, you know, you can tell that it's not, it doesn't look great to just to that point where it's pretty, you know, especially if it were a low quality image or video that somebody were seeing that, that they're pretty compelling, especially if it sort of ties in with the viewer's belief system. If they sort of take it at, literally at face value, that that can be pretty, uh, like you said, pretty alarming. What kind of things do you think this research would help stop? Well, the hope is that this this project will provide the tools to determine whether or not, first of all, whether or not an image or media have been manipulated, and then the second, and even equally importantly, is how they've been manipulated. So ultimately being used by the government, by law enforcement agencies to support our both our national security interests and, and domestic security. So the repercussions or the, the value of having a tool like this is really, really significant to be able to stay that one step ahead in, in kind of this digital arms race, so to speak, to combat this idea of digital untruth, fake news, fake media. And so the, the hope is that this, this tool will take steps in that direction. I think you said earlier that it is, it's alarming how quickly these things are moving. And so, you know, trying to stay that one step ahead so that I, I see this as very iterative. This is not going to be done, you know, sort of when we're done with the project. It's going to constantly need to be updated, sort of responsive to the sort of challenges and, and, and threats, really, that we face both in this country and abroad. One of the, the most popular questions I get when I talk about this project is, you know, especially sort of to the general public, is how do we tell? How do we know if the images that we're seeing can be trusted? The thing that I say to people is, at least right now, because, you know, we are looking into the future as far as the completion of the project. But from, from people's day-to-day -day consumption of media, I tell people that the Google reverse image search is your best friend to find out what the breadcrumb trail is of the creation of that image or the creation of that video and go to those trusted sources and look at multiple sources because it's a little bit of a game of telephone. Depending on how many versions of something that you're seeing, it can, you know, sort of accumulate things that may or may not be in the, have been in the original along the way. 
And so just performing that as a as a concerned citizen, you know, to make sure, especially if it's an image or a video that is very compelling, very potentially inflammatory, and social media, you know, contributes to the rampant sort of sharing of especially images that are inflammatory um, and, and videos as well. So doing that check before resharing, before reposting, before sort of contributing to the potential for misinformation, just doing that quick check for yourself, doing the reverse image search, doing the reverse video search, finding out where it came from as an educated consumer of media uh, is one of the things that people can do to feel at least more secure in what they're seeing and what they're sharing. Well, to give everybody an idea, what volume of media has been accumulated by this project so far? I know the project at large has generated this incalculable number of images and videos and so forth. RIT, so our two jobs were to create sort of trusted media that we captured We really left no stone unturned in terms of what types of devices we've used to do that. Everything from your very high-end camera to uh, cell phone camera to point-and-shoot cameras and every sort of permutation therein in terms of different camera settings they might have, different onboard features they might have, uh, different sensors. So we really... Our job was to sort of exhaust what is currently available in terms of the kinds of media that we could be looking at and we could be producing. From there, we take those raw materials, those trusted materials, and we we manipulate them. They range from simple to very complex, but with every manipulation, we sort of chronicle everything that we've done to sort of act as a kind of a, a digital cheat sheet. To, that go along goes along with the manipulation, so that it's it's clear what has been done to the image, so that when we use it for testing, we can tell exactly how successful we were. Over the course of the project, we were really focusing on images to start with, and that has evolved to incorporate a lot more video and audio, and so we've we've generated uh, s- several thousand image manipulations, and just under 500 videos. The work involved with creating these has been all accomplished by our undergraduate students, ranging from motion picture science to photographic sciences to imaging science to advertising photography, fine art photography, photojournalism, visual media. We tap the skills of all the students here at RIT to sort of capture both the technical side of those manipulations and the artistic side of those manipulations to create really what is a huge undertaking in terms of creating those assets. It's really a huge project and a huge undertaking that sort of spans so many different organizations, so many different universities, so many different Um, sort of private companies, sort of this incredible brain trust that is working together to solve this problem. And I know for me, that's that the the feeling of being part of something so, so important and, and really large has been has been really great. Thanks for listening to Intersections, the RIT podcast, a production of RIT Marketing and Communications. 
To learn more about our university, go to www.rit.edu. And to hear more podcasts, find us on iTunes or TuneIn or visit us at www.soundcloud.com slash RIT Tigers.